The Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, episode number 39. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple so that you can fuel your best with less. Less time, less money, and less stress. I'm Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of BSL Nutrition, and I'm excited to have you join me on this journey. Each week, I'll be sharing expert advice from leaders in the field of nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and supplementation who actually practice what they preach and are also on a mission to positively impact as many people as possible in a meaningful way. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 39 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. I am your host, Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of BSLNutrition.com. Today on the show, my buddy Benjamin Johnson. Ben is a writer, he's a fitness coach, he's an entrepreneur, and he's the founder of bentrained.com. As a coach, Ben simplifies the world of training and nutrition to help food lovers get fit. He focuses on using simple science-backed strategies to allow people to enjoy great food and better fitness. He's He's a published cookbook author, and his book is called For the Health of It, A Beginner's Guide to Recipe Creation, and you can find that on Amazon. And his articles have been featured in such places as T Nation, Muscle and Strength, and Bodybuilding.com. And Ben has self-described himself as being ranked the seventh best lover in the world. Food lover, that is. So you guys are going to love Ben. He's a great dude. He's a young guy, but he is very wise for his age. And he's doing great things in the fitness industry, especially with helping us get a better understanding that, you know... Good nutrition doesn't have to be painfully tasteless and bland and that we can eat great food and we can still be fit and we can still lose weight. So I want you guys to uh, hang on, check out the show, listen all the way through because we get deep at the end into kind of the impact of social media on our perception of ourselves and how how well we're stacking up, um, you know, for, for how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to feel and how everything that we see on social media is is everybody's highlight reel when, you know, the, the, the reality of it is we all have our ups and downs and struggles. And so I want you guys to head over, check it out. Assuming you find something in the show that resonates with you, then please, please share it with someone that you think could benefit. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a positive review. It's really the best thing that you can do for us to help validate the fact that, you know, we're putting out good information, that we're interviewing the right people, that you're resonating with the information that we're sharing and finding it applicable because ultimately, you know, that's what we're trying to do is just just to help you make smart nutrition simple. So with that said, I will turn it over to my buddy Ben after this short message. Today's episode is brought to you by my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. When you use the Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre-, during-, and post-workout supplements. You can save time, money, and energy, and get all the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy-to-mix drink. Make sure you guys stay tuned after the show where I'll share a nice little discount for all of our listeners on your first product purchase. Benjamin Johnson, what's going on, brother? Nothing much. Nothing much. I'm excited about this. Um, you know, I enjoy talking, as anyone who has ever met me is well aware of, but it's always fun to talk with awesome people. So, <laughs> Sweet, man. Well, I'm happy to have you on the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. It's been a long time coming, and so now that you're on, 
Uh, maybe give us a little insight. What's been going on in your world? Ooh, so, I mean, it's, it's been interesting over the last several months, which you're already pretty well aware of. I obviously have my own uh, fitness business and, and do my online coaching and things like that and had one of my best months ever um, in November, which is kind of a strange time to have a really good month for, for a fitness coaching program because it's before the resolution rush. So that was really exciting. But uh, I've also been getting some, some cool opportunities in the world of, of marketing as well, which is something I've been studying for the sake of my own business a lot, but I've had people reaching out. And I've had cool opportunities for some freelance stuff with things like email marketing or, you know, sales page development and, and things along those lines. So it's been a very exciting time and a very busy time uh, in a lot of different ways, but it's been, it's been fun. I don't know. Uh, so for me, like the whole, I don't know if you read Start With Why, but Simon Sinek is all about sure. like finding your why. And the thing that fires me up is helping other people kind of unlock a more full measure of their potential. So I can get the same sort of thrill from like writing a good sales email um, mm. for an email list as I do helping someone hit like a new deadlifting PR or lose the 10 pounds they've been trying to lose. So for me, it's a very similar thrill and it's like, I, I really enjoy both even though they're not super related, which is fun. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's a nice little transition and it's always good to have things that continually stimulate you. And, you know, we're always growing. Hopefully, you know, we're in a position where we're always, especially us that are coaches, like I find the more people I talk to, the ones that are continually successful are always doing things to push the boundaries and they're always learning and growing and feeling that they're moving through their niche, maybe into a different niche. So that's really cool to hear, especially because you're a pretty young dude, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel less young than I actually am, but I'm aware of the facts. I'm 27. I, I turned 28 okay. in May. So I, I am definitely still young, um, though so, my knees disagree with that fact sometimes when I train a little too hard. Well, relative to me, you're, you're over 10 years younger. So we'll call that pretty young. Um, right. So that's impressive uh, what you've been able to do. So for those people that don't know you and don't know what you've been up to, I mean, obviously, you know, you've been in the fitness industry to kind of in what capacity have you been in the fitness industry prior to this updated marketing stuff? And how did you get there? What's the journey look like? Um, well, so, I mean, first off, I'll, I'll get to the, the journey after just like the specific kind of bullet points of here's what I've done. Um, sure. So essentially, I started off as just like a kid in college who didn't love his history major. I loved history, but being a history major bored me. Um, I didn't read much back then. It's a little different now, but I didn't read much back then. So it was a really hard major. I just sat there getting bored every night trying to study. I'd have to study awake, like I, or sorry, not awake, standing up so that I would stay awake uh, when I would be trying to do my homework. It was hysterical. So I switched majors and just picked something that I thought would be fun. I was kind of into kind of being more fit and a healthy lifestyle at that point. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll do this. Uh, so I majored in exercise and wellness. And then basically everything took off from there. It clicked. I loved it. It was all interesting to me. I was very engaged in my schooling. I didn't have to stand up when I studied. I would stay awake. Mm. Um, it was also a much easier major. I didn't have to read 50 pages of a dense te textbook every night. Um, so it, it worked really well. And so even before I graduated, um, I got certified. Even before I got certified, I started helping friends in the gym just like on campus. Then I got certified. I worked, um, you know, I did like an internship with a pretty popular trainer uh, in the Utah area Then I had uh, a job at one gym that's kind of like was more of a private studio and I had another job at a more commercial gym called 24-hour fitness which is fairly popular on sure. the west coast I don't know if they have too many around here in the east um, but so yeah I went from 
you know, small studio thing to commercial gym, which was a good opportunity. It, like it's where I started to like, cut my teeth on sales and, and things along those lines. Um, and really like, cause before the, the first gym I worked at, it was just, yeah, I'm going to sign people up and you're just going to take care of them when they're here. Mm. Um, so that was easy enough for me. And then it kind of like added in, layered in a little bit more of like the marketing and the salesmanship and that sort of stuff. And then from there, um, I, I worked at 24 hour fitness for, for a little while until I got a job at a small studio strength and conditioning gym out here in Boston, where I now live, uh, worked there for, for a little while. And it was when I came out here originally, the plan was that I was going to open up my own facility. I was going to you know, invest money. I was saving up in opening a facility and having that be my thing. Um, but what I kind of realized, which was great, but like annoying at the same time is that, Ooh, that's not exactly what I want. Um, I saw exactly what it would take to open up that facility to run my own facility. And I realized like, Oh, that's not exactly the kind of lifestyle I want to lead as an adult. I want to be a family man, um, you know, and exist. I want to be home at certain times or at least when kids are awake and things like that. So I kind of shifted my focus from the in-person stuff to the online stuff. And that was about two and a half years ago at this point, or two years and a little bit. Um, cool. and so I kind of shifted from focusing in person to focusing online. And then I essentially have just been, uh, I guess, in- incredibly blessed or very lucky, depending on how you want to look at it to connect with some great mentors and to learn some amazing things along the way. So yeah, started very much so in person and doing that was going to open up my own facility, pivoted that to go online so that I could have a little bit more control of my lifestyle and, you know, be the eventual awesome dad who, uh, who I, I see you as, um, you know, I see you and your, your kiddos doing fun stuff all the time. So like, that's, that's what online, online work can enable. So that's kind of where I've shifted. Yeah, it's definitely, I, well, one, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's definitely one of my whys, uh, since you, since you mentioned that is definitely my kids and and being able to maintain a a realistic family life. and, And so good for you for already knowing that that's something that you want and it's it's a unique opportunity, right, to be able to do what we do, mm-hmm. um, have the freedom that we have, but it comes certainly with its its pains, its struggles. Right. right. It's it's and, different. And so it, uh, yeah. Yeah. Working online is is an interesting adventure, uh, an adventure which is fun, but can be a different kind of stressful compared to some other things. Totally. So so. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show was because I know that we really align in terms of our kind of philosophy on nutrition, our philosophy on fitness in terms of what I really like about you is you don't get, you know, I've never heard you get overly dogmatic about any one approach. It's not like you're just pumping keto. It's not like you're just pumping, you know, um, low carb or one fitness fad or, or, or saying cardio sucks or anything like that. You just seem like you're pretty laid back. You've got a pretty good understanding of what works for people, what doesn't work. And, you, and you've done a really good job kind of marrying all those things. But maybe you could help us understand a little bit more kind of what that philosophy is or more specifically how you coach your clients as it relates to you know, nutrition and fitness. What are some of the big needle movers that you plug in with your, with the clients that you work with? Right. That's a great question. Um, so I think kind of the biggest thing is that I'm, I, I kind of borrow this, uh, verbiage from precision nutrition, but they talk about being kind of a like diet agnostic. And I feel like that's how I am about 
all things fitness. So whether it's training or nutrition or whatever, because all these different ideas, whether it's keto or fasting or low carb or, you know, whatever different strategies are out there, all of these different things can work. Um, and really the magic happens when you're able to find what works best for you and then do that because the ultimate, like the biggest indicator of success with all things fitness, whether you're trying to, you know, gain muscle or get stronger or lose fat or whatever it might be, the biggest indicator of success is going to be adherence to a plan. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll get better results following a decent plan perfectly than you'll get following a perfect plan decently. Um, mm -hmm. So essentially that means that if someone prefers eating carby foods, it's like, Oh yeah, I love pasta. I don't really care about things like peanut butter. Like, okay, like, let's give you more carbs in your plan. That's going to make you more satisfied. You're going to be happier on it. You're going to stick to it better. And that's going to lead in the long term to better results anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, whether it's training or nutrition, it's really all about focusing on the things that work best for you. Now, the way I come in with, with coaching in that is that it's a matter of helping people find the proven strategies that are going to work best for them, not just, you know, Googling things online and hoping to find something that's actually backed by science. I have, you know, the expertise with things like nutrition and training. I've been studying it for years. And not only that, I've tested a lot of these things out, whether it's been, you know, gritting my teeth and burying it through years of low carb eating, which I mm -hmm. did fine with, but to an extent that like, wasn't like necessarily, Oh, this is the gold standard of fat loss is what everyone must do. I've tried all these different things. I found what works for me, but I've also found things that just work in general along the way. So then it's a matter of kind of plugging in the right components of a well-designed program and then helping people stick to that plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome because, you know, I had, you know, it's funny. I had, um, Krista Scott Dixon on the show two, two days ago from precision nutrition and, right. and one of their biggest philosophies, well, one of the biggest things that they focus on right away is kind of that five minute action. And then just getting people to show up consistently just every day, just show up and what can you do in five minutes, be consistent with it and it will grow from there. So that's a lot of stuff that I talk about too, in terms of consistency. So I appreciate that. Now I've heard you talk a, a fair amount about macros and so I'd love to, you know, something that we haven't talked about in the show, and I think probably we've got a good amount of listeners that understand macros, but we probably have a good amount that don't. Um, but I'd like you just to, to touch on maybe what they are, why they're important, how you, how you utilize them in your practice, um, and, you know, kind of uh, go from there. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, to preface, kind of going along with what we were just talking about, like macros are a tool. They're not the tool. So all things can work. Macros are just one that works quite well, um, especially early on in anyone's fitness journey, which is actually a phrase I don't love, but for lack of a better term, a fitness journey. Uh, but well, anyone who's working well, on Well, anything, you know, not to, I apologize to interrupt you, but no, by all means. It, what are kind of the things that you find work for most of your clients that you readily plug in um, and help educate them on as it pertains to nutrition? Because it doesn't, like, we don't have to talk about macros, but I'd love to know what you've well, found. Macros are definitely well. that thing. Um, cool. So macros are something that early on, kind of no matter what I go over with people, whether or not we keep them on a macro-based nutrition plan kind of depends on how well they can follow a macro-based nutrition plan. But for the first month or so of coaching, that's usually a big focus, unless there's someone who has a massive background and have done it for years or whatever. Sure. Um, so, you, you know, it depends a little bit, but most of the time I'm leading off with macros. So macros are short for macronutrients, which essentially like everything we eat has 
uh, a different mix of macronutrients involved. Uh, these are the protein, the carbs, and the fats that we consume. So all food involves some sort of different mixture of these things. Some have one, some have all three. Um, essentially everything we eat contains macronutrients and these macronutrients are where we get our calories from. So we, most everyone has looked at a food label and seen the calories at the top and then you can see all the nutrition facts. It'll have the number of grams of protein and carbs and fats listed. Um, and essentially the calories in any given food item come from the listed macronutrient levels. So the grams of protein, carbs, and fats. So for every gram of protein, there's four calories for every gram of carbohydrate, there's four calories. And for every gram of fat, there are nine. It's a little bit more nutrient dense. Um, and then also alcohol technically is kind of like a macro. Um, and that's seven calories per gram. But um, the biggest focus is the, the food items. So the protein, carbs, and fats. So what, what I will do with people is essentially help educate them on what those things are. So which foods are going to be rich in protein, which foods are going to be rich in carbohydrates, which foods are going to be rich in fat, and then, you know, help them build a framework that fits within their personal preferences and their goals so that they have guidelines on how many grams of protein they should be eating based on their goals, how many grams of carbs and fat um, based on their personal preference and their goals. So that way they have a plan and a framework, but by no means a like specifically rigid, like rigid must do this type of thing. As long as they're within the ballpark, that is what matters. So especially yeah. early on that creates this food awareness, which most people don't have. And I think especially people that have been doing fitnessy stuff for a long time. So people like you and I, I think, oh, well, of course people understand what a protein rich food is. Of course, of course people, people are going to understand what a carb rich food is. And, and, but it's not necessarily common knowledge. So getting that awareness, that food awareness up early on makes a huge difference in just making good decisions, whether they continue to follow a macro based plan or not. We give them a framework to work within um, and then let them do you know, do their best to follow that, give them simple step-by-step -step type goals um, to get them moving forward and then let them enjoy good food in the process, just, you know, yeah. sticking to the framework that they've been given with macronutrients. So how do you help people track, identify and track their macros so that they are able to establish that awareness? Uh, so, I mean, identify, it kind of depends. There are some um, I have some stuff. I'm going to actually make sure you get the link to, to get what I call my macronutrient cheat sheet, which is a really simple and basic way. Um, it's basically you fill in some stuff, hit enter, and it's going to spit out some numbers at you. So calories, protein, carbs, fats per day based on you and your goals and your personal preferences. Um, so that's something I give away. Um, so happy to give away to your audience. I think that'll be fun. Uh, and then when it yeah. comes to my... Uh, like my coaching programs, I get a little bit more in depth. I do calculations based on lean mass and things like that. Um, and then obviously take into account again, goals and personal preference and things like that so that people are getting uh, pretty decently fine tuned numbers. Uh, but the, I think the, the biggest thing that I, I consider a misconception about macronutrients, especially macronutrient calculators and calorie calculators and all these things with nutrition is it's a jumping off point. There's no, totally. Uh, it's a science, but it's not an exact science, right? So you can have these numbers and these are where we're starting. And then you track progress based on those numbers and tweak as needed. Um, so it's a really good jumping off point. And then essentially go from there to, to tweak and uh, kind of 
fine tune things that much more based on what someone's going to need. So that's how I kind of set up the numbers. And then usually cool. we just use any sort of calorie tracker. There are so many out there these days. Um, and then just regular follow-up and accountability to make sure we're hitting things. Um, and I mean, kind of focusing on the simplest things first, the, the low hanging fruit, um, mm. and then layering in more habits on top of that. So usually it's kind of the order of importance I follow is calories first, then on top of calories, we'll focus on calories and protein. And then from there, the, the carbs and the fats. Um, but until calories are consistently met, no need to worry about protein. And then until calories and protein are consistently met, no need to worry about the carbs and the fats. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Same philosophy. So if I'm listening and I'm, I'm just starting to get a better understanding of what macros are and kind of how I would break up my protein, carbs, and fats, and I go and I get your macro calculator and you know, it, it calculates it out for me, then what do I do with those numbers? Like what would be my next step to understand, okay, so now I know I need 200 grams of protein and I'm going to have 200 and some grams of carbs and I'm going to have 80 some grams of fat. Okay. What does that mean? Like, what do I do with right. that now? Wait, cause these are just these numbers that unless yeah, you like have a really good food awareness, I, mean, I can look at a label but oftentimes people don't even associate, like people don't know what the label means. I mean, it says it has six grams of protein, but like, I don't know. Per serving, like what is that? Like how much is so, this looking like on a plate? So say we downloaded that, what can I do with those numbers? Like what's a logical next step for me? So there are a couple of different ways that I, I think work really well. So one is just like treating it like a game, diving into whatever calorie calculator that you're usually using, or I mean, that you might use. My fitness pal is one that's, yeah. that's really, you know, most people are familiar with or have heard of. So I'll just ask people to dive in even before they're officially starting, just dive in there and start playing around and almost treat it like a game. So you've got these goal numbers that you can like customize in my fitness pal. So it says exactly what you want each day. And then essentially go in and pretend to track your food for a day. So pick from the foods you usually eat, get an idea of, you know, okay, well, I normally start off the day with maybe two eggs and a, you know, a bowl of oatmeal or whatever. Just like put in the things you normally eat, your coffee from Starbucks or whatever it might be. You just put in all the things so you can see where you're at in an average day. Um, and then just start changing some things and playing with some things, adding in different things, maybe taking some things away to play with the numbers until you're getting close to whatever those goals are. Mm -hmm. So that's like almost like a game like thing. It's not a very fun game. So I don't love calling it a game because you're just basically creating a sample day of like, Oh, this is, this is what a day of eating the foods I normally eat would look like to hit my numbers. Um, but again, that, that's still kind of like a, uh, it's a lot of guess and check. It's not necessarily the most efficient way to do it. One thing I really like doing as well is I'll give people their numbers, but for maybe the first three days to a week, not have them worry about hitting those numbers, but simply just get in the habit of tracking their foods. And then mm -hmm. essentially we'll see where, where the big gaps are. Maybe they're doing a great job and basically where they want to be with fat, but maybe they're really short on protein. So then we just focus simply on, okay, we're going to eat more protein. What I want you to do is simply add in an extra serving of protein, whatever meat you want, just add it in once per day. Um, and that's a little bit more of a gradual approach. It also tends yeah. to go better because as they're doing all of those things, the food awareness that comes as they're tracking their food becomes more intuitive. So then when it's, then they don't even necessarily need me to help course correct in any given day or any given week. They can just look at their numbers and be like, Oh, I need more carbs. I know oats, consistently put me over on carbs, but I need more carbs today. So I'm going to have some more oats or, you know, I'm, I'm right where I want to be on fat. Instead of adding that peanut butter to my smoothie, I'm going to go ahead and leave that out 
and, and keep it a little lower on the fats. So that food awareness is kind of built in in that more mm -hmm. progressive approach. Yeah, that's great. I like that a lot. And I find, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for a lot of, so there's a lot of trainers that say, yeah, you have to track all your food, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of trainers like you shouldn't track your food. It creates too many neuroses and it's too OCD and it's not realistic long-term. But I think, you know, personally, I think people should do it for a short period of time because of that awareness concept that you talked about. And it's like, look, if you, you plug in your breakfast and, and, and you have the Starbucks drink and a freaking muffin or something for breakfast and you realize, dude, that was like 150 grams of carbs and, you know, 600 calories that I just consumed and I didn't even really eat any real food. It, that's huge for people like I didn't I, like I just didn't know. Or, for example, they're eating a whole bunch of peanut butter with the, with the, you know, preconceived notion that peanut butter is like a good source of protein, but it's not, it's fat, you know, and it's a whole bunch of fat and it's likely throwing you off or a handful yeah. of nuts or all kinds of little examples. And people don't realize how those things add up. So I, I think that's a, a great tip for anyone listening. If you have some of those numbers, you know, at the very least, you could just punch, jump into my fitness pal and, and kind of what would, if, if someone was just jumping in and they were to kind of calculate their percentages of protein, carbs, and fats, what's a numbers, some numbers that you would just recommend anyone just get started with that would be reasonable? Um, well, so I don't usually work on percentages and like ratios. I actually just get really specific down to the gram. So it makes mm -hmm. it almost annoying to plug in on my fitness pal because they changed things mm -hmm. a few years ago where you oh, had okay. to be a premium user to be able to use specific grams, um, which is annoying, but whatever, they're a business, they need to make money, I get it. Um, so with, with ratios, <clears throat> a, a really simple one that's, that's fairly common is basically just having a third of your diet or a third of your calories from each. So a third of your calories are coming from protein, a third of your calories are coming from carbs, a third of your calories are coming from fats. So that's, that's really like 33%. Yeah, exactly. So 33% with each. Um, and like you can skew it a little higher or a little lower on carbs or fats, depending on preference. But that's a really simple jumping off point. It was like, okay, I'm going to try this out. It's, it's really easy to, to plug that in and just get going. And then it's also, it makes it really easy to remember because that's going to be equal numbers of grams for uh, protein and carbs. And then fats mm -hmm. are going to be almost about half that much per day. Right. So as long as you're remembering uh, you know, one of the numbers, you're basically remembering all of the numbers in terms of number of grams of things. Mm -hmm. So it makes it easy to remember. You can be looking at a food label and see, oh, hey, that's 20 grams of protein in this, whatever it is you're eating at the time. And that's about a fourth of my goal. Good to know. Cool. And you can just keep moving forward. And it makes it really simple um, to, to just be like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Um, but again, it's, 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 the, I guess the trick with simplicity sometimes is that it can be oversimplified. And I mean, there's so many things uh, that can be taken into account beyond that, but that's an easy jumping off point. Well, uh, you know, like you said, done I mean, it's an easy show jump. prep yeah. on that. So <laughs> exactly. It's an easy jumping off point. And, and for 95, 99% of people, they just, again, need more awareness, need some skills to be able to determine kind of how those foods are adding up throughout the day. So, right. so I, that, that's really good stuff. So one of the things that you are kind of becoming more well-known for now and that I'm seeing a lot through social media that I, I appreciate and enjoy kind of looking at is how you structure your meals and how you kind of are um, providing resources for people that are trying to lose weight but still want their food to like taste like food. 
Right. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about kind of where your business is going in that direction Definitely. and how those things, how the kind of fitness for foodies works. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So this is something I'm like really, really excited about because, um, I mean, for, for years now, I've gotten very, very used to people assuming that because I'm this fit individual, if they just see me and then they find out, oh, I work in fitness, they assume I'm just chilling, eating boiled chicken, steamed broccoli and brown rice all day, every day, um, which I would hate. So long before mm -hmm. I ever became fit, I was just into food. I've always loved eating. My mom used to call me a pear monster when I was like a little kid because I would just eat pears like crazy. Um, and you know, so kind of like my origin story was I, I was a, a little chubster long before I was ever into fitness. And I got into yeah. fitness for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I kind of swung that pendulum too far to the other extreme. So I was, uh, I have, you know, I guess, uh, enough self discipline that I was not eating any foods I enjoyed. And I was like buying into the whole like, oh, well, nothing tastes as good as being fit feels. But those people <laughs> have never tried brownies because brownies are delicious and being fit is great. <laughs> good. But like, why not have both, right? So this whole like uh, fitness for foodies or fitness for food lovers is, is really all about helping people understand one, that we can enjoy delicious food and be fit and then kind of giving them the tools to be able to make that happen. Because there are a lot of different ways that we can either, you know, create lower calorie versions of things or cut carbs out of things like spaghetti or whatever and have it still taste amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but even beyond that, and even more simple than that is getting it to the point where people understand that being fit is not just a matter of eating boring foods. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think anyone who's ever tried any sort of dieting can relate to the, oh, I feel like I'm eating cardboard all day. Uh, it's different versions of the same flavors. And that's, that's terrible. That's boring. And kind of going to back to what I mentioned before, like the, the adherence on that is going to be terrible. Like nobody yeah. wants to just, and that's why when people go on a diet, they do it for, you know, 15 days or 30 days or whatever it might be. It, it's really over restrictive. And then it's like, okay. And then they go off the diet and go back to normal. And then they lose all the progress they've made. Um, so what I've, what I found and what I've kind of figured out after my own trial and error with those really restrictive things was, okay, well, if I, if I just do this and this being something where it's like, oh, it's a little bit more flavorful, it's a little bit more delicious, it's maybe not as strict, but I'm able to follow it better and more consistently, it's led to better long-term results. So I'm leaner now, I'm stronger now, I'm even more muscular now than I ever was when I was dieting down super hard. I'm also happier. And as mm -hmm. you've seen, like you mentioned on social media, I mean, I made uh, my, uh, invented a recipe for creme brulee this last weekend and ate what I'm sure most fitness professionals would consider too much of the creme brulee, um, but enjoyed every bite of it. And I'm not worried about derailing my progress because it's really building the right foundational habits, um, having those be super consistent and then being able to leave room for indulgence and wiggle room on top of that. Yeah. So that kind of falls in line with once you have an understanding of where your calories need to be, not only a daily basis, but right for like a weekly basis, then you have some wiggle room to be able to manipulate those variables. So it sounds like you would kind of fall into more of like a flexible and I don't want to put a tag on anything, but, right. but just so we have an understanding more of like a flexible dieting type definitely um, mentality. And yeah, so something I say all the time is that if there's no wiggle room in a diet, the diet is broken because in inevitably you're going to need some sort of freedom within the framework. Well, cause like dude in the real world, I mean, stuff comes up all the time and it's it's like you have 
I mean, it's like, wait till you have kids. You know, we have these birthday parties and we have these events and, you know, you're running around and picking up the kids from school and sometimes they're starving and we've got somewhere to be. And it's like, dude, sometimes you just have to like stop and eat food that you wouldn't normally eat. And it's totally okay because it's going to happen and not stress about it. But that's kind of the idea. So how do you help your clients kind of transition into that type of mentality? What are some of the strategies you utilize with regard to food prep and cooking that helps them enjoy their foods more? Um, so there, there are a few different things. One of the biggest ones is because it's such a paradigm shift. It's going from like, oh, like, you know, this all or nothing type mentality to like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, there's a birthday party. I had some cheesecake, like it'll be fine. Um, and that, that's a big paradigm shift. So a lot of that is kind of cutting ourselves slack uh, because one mistake is not that big of a deal. You get right back on track and in the grand scheme of things, it, it doesn't make too big of a difference where it becomes a problem is when one mistakes lead to this, leads to this defeated mentality of like, Oh, well I already had the cookie. So now, and it was you that posted about Girl Scout cookies the other day, right? Like they're yeah, incredibly addictive. It's oh absolutely true. You put Thin Mints in the freezer, game over. Oh, forget it, dude. I just crushed the whole <laughs> sleeve the other night. Right. I, I like crushing it. that whole sleeve does not ruin your fitness or your health. Like one small thing will not ruin it. So not a great workout the next day. Yeah. But what a lot of people do is they'll do something like that where they'll eat the whole sleeve of Thin Mints and they're like, oh, well, now this day's shot and then they just eat whatever. So like right. one small thing turns into a day, a week, maybe even a month of completely getting off track. Yeah. And that's what derails us. So if we're able to take that one acute thing and just be like, no, oh, it happened, whatever, and then just be like, all right, now I'm back on track the next day or you know, after the weekend or whatever it might be and keep those those, uh, I guess, indulgences to a minimum by being totally accepting of the fact that they happen to be like, you know what, I did that, it was delicious, and now I'm just going to be right back on track, no big deal. That's, that's, that's really where the victory comes. So it's getting that mindset shift and being okay with the fact that you're maybe not doing something perfectly and understanding. So something I say a lot to like in in coaching is that Rome wasn't built in a day. We all know that we've heard that for years, but it wasn't really destroyed in a day either. Like I have friends who have mm-hmm. been to Rome. It still exists. So like right. eating one salad, isn't going to make somebody fit, but also eating one donut isn't going to make somebody fat either. So it's a matter right. of having that sort of understanding. And that takes a while to kind of get ingrained because we've heard so much of the opposite for so long. Um, so that's, that's huge. That's first and foremost. And that's in any of my, you know, coaching calls in any of my emails when somebody has like a day or even beforehand, like, Oh, Hey, I've got this birthday party. I'm getting ready for it. It's like, cool. Enjoy yourself. Don't worry about it. And then just get right back on track the next day. So kind of prepping for that is huge. Um, when it comes to food stuff, you mentioned kind of how to enjoy good flavors without sacrificing fitness. Um, one of my favorite things, so protein is obviously a big deal with any sort of fitness program. Why is that? Why is protein a big deal? Well, protein's a big deal because everyone says it is and all the marketing says it is. But <laughs> scientifically speaking, protein is important when it comes to uh, recovery from the workout. So re- whether you're trying to lose fat or gain muscle or get stronger, uh, when you go into the gym and you exercise, when you train, you're, you're breaking muscles down, um, kind of breaking your body down so it can build back stronger, faster, mm-hmm. leaner uh, than it was before. And when we do that, we need to recover from it to be able to reap the actual benefits. Protein is a key player 
uh, especially from a macronutrient perspective, is a key player in being able to recover and to be able to actually see the adaptation. So when we train, when we're in the gym, we stimulate adaptation, and then the food we eat fuels the change that we want to see, whether that's fat loss or strength or size. And so protein, regardless of the goal, is going to help with that. And there are all sorts of other nerdy things like the, you know, it's, it's more thermogenic than other macronutrients. Yeah. So you actually burn more calories eating more protein than you would with carbs or fats and all that sort of nerdy stuff. But the biggest thing is yeah. it's going to help you recover. It's going to help you see the results you want faster. Um, so protein is a big deal, even though the marketing says it is. It's actually true. It is important. Um, but the, the biggest thing is that a lot of people struggle kind of having variety with the protein, right? So they'll be eating, they're like, yeah, I've been having chicken over and over. Mm. And it's getting bland. Of course it would be. So like one, like go ahead and have a variety of different meats. I love, I was uh, talking with someone about cooking bison the other day. I I love cooking with bison. I think it's delicious. It's also leaner than beef. Um, But there are all sorts of different options out there, different cuts of meat and things like that. But the biggest thing that I think is kind of like this, it's not actually a secret, but like a lot of untapped potential in dry rubs. So like a dry rub is a mix of different spices and seasonings put together that you rub on meat and then you grill it or you bake it or you know, however you want to cook it. Um, but that adds an entire world of flavor at your fingertips, very literally at your fingertips as you're rubbing, uh, you know, dry rubbing all these meats, but they'll taste wildly different. So you can have chicken five days in a row, but have chicken taste wildly different depending on how you're seasoning it. Uh, it's actually... I have the idea. I haven't uh, done much with it yet, but I, I really want to put together a cookbook of dry rubs because I use dry rubs all the time. Um, I have too. some chef buddies that, that use them wildly, um, but basically a, a book that just has tons of dry rubs that you can try on all sorts of different things because for the most part, unless you're adding sugar into dry rubs, which is something that is delicious as well, like a brown sugar in like a barbecue rub. Tastes great. Yeah. But most of the time, it, it's not really, it, or it adds negligible numbers of calories and things like that changes the flavor drastically. So, so one dry rub that I love, especially on, on pork, as you just mentioned, is really, really simple. And it's just equal parts of salt, pepper, and chili powder, just mm-hmm. equal parts of those. So, I mean, depending on how big of a piece of meat you have, sometimes I'll do it on a big tenderloin. Sometimes I'll just do it on like a pork chop. Um, but equal parts of those, roughly equal parts. I actually never measure anything out, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I cook all the time, but it's usually just tossing stuff in and improvising. Um, so about equal parts of salt, pepper and chili powder. Um, or I mean, yeah, I've even added different stuff to that. Uh, chili powder can get kind of spicy. If you're not a fan of spice, you can just use paprika instead. But those three things about equal parts, put it all over, like rub it liberally on the outside of the meat, adding a little bit of extra where there's any like fat and marbling, um, and then just grill that up. And it tastes fantastic. You've basically made your pork taste drastically different than if you, you know, just put salt and pepper on it without altering macros or calories in any way that's significant. So you have variety, like spices are the literal spice of your food life. Um, So that's something that I'll help people kind of realize and start utilizing because it makes stuff taste different, makes it so you're not just like eating the same thing over and over, but you're still able to stick to your plan. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I like giving people freedom to, like you said, eat delicious food. Um, and it does, you know, it's okay for it to taste good. I mean, right. it should taste good. So what about the, the nature of the beast is sometimes good food, sometimes food that tastes good also comes with extra calories from fat and carbohydrate because fat tastes good and carbs taste amazing and right. as they should. Um, so how do you people help people maneuver those things? Like if we want to make a delicious dinner that has both a lot of, a lot of 
carbohydrate, you know, maybe it's a pasta dish, but also has a decent amount of fat, or maybe there's more fat in a dessert. What, what would some strategies be around that? Well, yeah, it really comes down to nailing the foundational things, like having your calories in check and being really consistent most of the time. Like, so most of the, if you're eating mostly good foods, most of the time, you have a lot more freedom some of the time. So there's like the 80-20 rule that's talked about in nutrition a lot. So if you're eating the right foods 80 or if you want to be an overachiever 90% of the time, you know, the stuff we know you should, like the vegetables, the lean meats, that sort of stuff. If you're doing that 80 to 90% of the time, whether you're tracking or not, um, it makes it easier if you're tracking because you can, you know, get a little bit more dialed in and you can be like, oh, well, I've been crushing it all week. I've hit my macros every day. Like it's Friday night. I'm going out to dinner. I'm not worrying about it. But whether you're tracking or not tracking, you can like, you know, 80% and 90% of the time do what you know you should eat the right, like healthful foods, all of that jazz. And then like 10 to 20% of the time you can indulge a little bit. And my favorite part about mm. that, um, is that you can, you have your own discretion over that indulgence. So wh whether you want to like have a piece of chocolate after dinner every night, awesome. Or if you prefer, I had, uh, I coached someone once who loved those caramel apple pops, like those little suckers, yeah, my guilty pleasure is those I love them. And so every day, like after we were like after her training, it was just like, yeah, so part of your post workout routine is going to be having two of those every day. And she loved that. And she was like, ah, this is amazing. Um, so that yeah, worked great. really well for her as a random example. So you can like indulge daily or if you want, and this is something I prefer more because I like eating massive meals and indulging when, when the time is right, um, is maybe one meal a week where you've been crushing it all week and maybe one meal a week, you're just like, you know what? Like Friday night, I'm going out to dinner, meeting up with friends, and I'm just going to eat whatever I want. So I, I call this going full fat kid. I um, mean, I grew up as a, a nice chubby kid and always loved food and still do. So, you know, there are times where I go full fat kid where I'm just going to like, yeah, I'm going to order an appetizer and an entree and then order something for dessert. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to feel guilty. I'm not going to think that I'm ruining anything. I'm not going to try to overcompensate the next day. I'm just going to order food that I want. I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'm going to get right back on track and nail my, my numbers, whether I've got macros or other means of kind of tracking foods or whatever the nutrition plan that I'm following at the time is, I'm just going to get right back on track the next day. So that's really how I approach it. So rather than trying to, I mean, so for me, and this is a personal thing, some people really enjoy putting together recipes of like, okay, this is a version of like a lava cake, but it's got protein powder in the mix. And I use all <laughs> that instead of flour and like those can taste fine. But if I'm going to be having a cake, I just want to have a cake. I don't want to have a uh, like cake. So things like Halo Top. I was actually on a coaching call just last night. We were talking about Halo Top. She's been having Halo Top. It does taste good. Don't get me wrong. Halo Top does taste good. But I hardly think it's fair to call it ice cream. It's a frozen treat. Mm. And it tastes good. But I know it's not ice cream. If I want ice cream or gelato, I want to just get ice cream or gelato. Halo Top is great. And I've definitely, especially when I've been trying to diet down or get leaner and like, restricting my calories a bit more, it fits the bill. I can have that as a nice sweet treat at the end of the day and I'm happy with it, but it's not as good as actual ice cream. And if I want actual ice cream, I want to have room in my plan. And I, I do this for, for those that I coach, I give room in plans for those sorts of things. Yeah. I'm with you, man. That, that, that's good stuff. Yeah. It's something, you know, right in line with what I always say is being pretty good all the time beats being great sometimes. Right. And, uh, yeah. I'm with you. Like, give me some ice cream. Like, it's just not the same. It's not the same from a 
just how it tastes. It's not the same from the, how it, you know, your body perceives it. And sometimes we just need some ice cream and it's totally cool. As long as, you know, you have better understanding of what's going on in your body. So we'll start to wrap it up here, but I got a couple questions for you. Fire away. So I'm interested. What is some of the best advice you've ever received? Um, oh, these, these are always the fun questions, I think. Mm. I mean, because I can sit and talk about fitnessy things all day, uh, but these are the interesting ones that, that lead Maybe to- Maybe a little more, introspective. Right, right, more thought. Um, so it's almost not even advice, but in the context that I was told it, it kind of was. Um, but so his name's Derek Taylor. He said to me once, um, and I never know if I quote it exactly, but essentially he said, you're doing better than you think you are, but can do better than you think you can. Um, which is something that I think we all kind of struggle with that whole imposter syndrome type of thing where, where it's like, ah, I'm not doing enough. I like, I, I want to be here, but I'm only here. And so like, we can do more like we can, but we're also doing better than we think we are. And for me, and maybe it's just the way my own mind works, but reflecting on that. And that was back in, oh goodness, probably 2010 he said that to me. It's something I still think about all the time is just that, okay, I'm doing better than I think I am, but I'm also, I can do better than I think I can. So I'm like capable of more than I think, even though I'm already doing better than I think I am. So like I need to give myself more credit and then I need to kind of almost aim higher. Um, I guess to turn it into advice is kind of giving ourselves more credit and then aiming higher with, with goals um, and kind of shooting for the stars. Cause even if we don't quite make it, our results are still out of this world. Right. That's an amazing piece of advice. And I can think of how it applies to so many different areas of life, how it applies to us as, as small business owners, how it applies to us as fitness professionals, how it applies to our clients as being people that are just trying to figure out their own journey and probably constantly comparing themselves, unfortunately, probably comparing themselves to other things that they see within social media, how it applies to, um, me as a parent and as a father. Um, and, and so thank you for sharing that. Definitely. Uh, with regard to that whole comparison syndrome and social media, is there any advice that you give your clients uh, with relation to that as far as like how to perceive it? Right. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. So giving good, advice is tricky because I feel like a lot of the advice I would have would be completely hypocritical. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, don't, don't pay that much attention to them, mm-hmm. even though I'm over here scrolling through and being like, oh my gosh, they're doing so well. He looks amazing. How is he doing? Like, <laughs> you know, so it'd be very, very hypocritical. I think the, the biggest thing to remember when it comes to stuff like social media, and especially comparison within the world of social media, like nobody, I mean, some people do, but most people are posting like their highlight reel, and we're comparing oh. their highlights to our just like average every day. So it's just like, oh, I've had this really rough day. You hop on Facebook or Instagram, you're scrolling through and you're like, my gosh, their life is amazing. But like they have days too. They just don't post about that. Like there are days where they haven't hashtag woken up like that. Um, it like, it's, uh, yeah, it's, so I think we're, we're unfair to ourselves and how we compare, especially on social media, because we're seeing the best of the best. That's what people put out there publicly. And we're comparing their best to our worst. So it's like, oh, yeah. I'm over here having this terrible day. I feel awful. I've just been sitting here watching Netflix show after Netflix show, and I've gotten nothing done. Right. And you're comparing that to them like, oh, yeah, they just spoke at this conference in France. Like, oh, like, exactly. so it's like this very unfair comparison. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of how to go about 
maneuvering through that and doing a better job of it? Uh, good question. If anyone has a good idea on that, be sure to let me know. Because um, mm -hmm. I do just as bad with it as anyone else. Um, but I think as long as we're remembering, it's like, oh, this is a highlight reel, whatever. Um, and then not kind of taking it personally. Um, that, that makes a huge difference. But it's tricky, right? It's real tricky. It is tricky. You know, and I think, I don't know, if I were to put my my personal input into it, um, I guess I would say that I think it's important for, I, I think for people that are looking to those mediums for inspiration, if you're going to do that, and it's hard not to, so if you're going to do that, I think it's important to try and find someone to resonate with that's sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm. or that at least is sharing some level of authenticity that shows you that they're actually a real person and it's not just like um, the perfect picture all the right. time. And if it's like, dude, if it's a fucking, their whole Instagram, excuse my language, if it's their whole Instagram page is all selfies, like that just is a red flag for me or it's just all ass shots, you know, left and right. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly probably not the, the ideal person to be looking at that, but I, I think that it's important in this day and age and where social media is, is going. And for those people that are in the fitness industry is don't forget to be yourself. Don't forget to infuse your personality and your authenticity and understand that like there's going to be people that are going to resonate with you and there's going to be people that you're going to repel. Mm -hmm. And that's totally cool because you don't want those uh, those people that don't like what you have to say, you don't want them following you anyways. Right. So you're not really cater and, and be yourself because there's going to be so many people that you can positively affect with it, with just you being yourself and, 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 and trying to put that, you know, that out there. So. Right. Well, honestly, nobody can be a better you than you can. You're the literal exactly. best on earth. So trying to be somebody else's, never going to go as well as just being you. But yeah, like especially Instagram and like hashtag Fitspo posts, they drive mm -hmm. me nuts because I, I, one, I don't, I, I don't find them inspiring. Like, oh, okay, we got a half naked woman leaning up against a squat rack. Suddenly I want to be fit. Like, mm, no, I mean, it motivates maybe some things, but fitness is hardly well, one of them. And so it's and just like, that's it. It's, that's what we scroll through all day. And then we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're just like, oh, well, I'm, I, know. I don't know. Like, I've been leaner than I am now. I'm not the leanest I've ever been in my life. I did some photo shoots uh, about a year and a half ago. I got the leanest I've ever been. It was a fun experience. Um, and the photos turned out great and all that jazz. But like, I even feel if I'm comparing myself to my best and those photos of, of me, like I am the same human, um, but like I'll even be like, oh, I feel so chubby right now. And that's even mm -hmm. me. That's not some unrealistic thing. Like I've been there. I could get back there again. Um, but it's just like, it's still an unfair comparison and it does no good to like, look at really beautiful people all the time on Instagram and Facebook and just compare ourselves to them. And when, like, I, you know, I'm over here in like a hoodie and they're like modeled up no, and totally. in a studio with great lighting. Wow. It's like, ugh. no, that's it. And, and, you know, we're, we're, um, pretty fit, pretty confident, uh, you know, males. And so I, I just believe it's a different ball game for females and they've been kind of, um, for lack of a better term, brainwash, but just, uh, well, they've like, they've grown up focusing on beauty as a 
kind of an indicator of value, which is not the case. Um, and it's, I mean, it's sad. And you have, was it two daughters? Yeah. Two daughters and a son. Yep. Right. So, I mean, there's like, you know, being beautiful is such a big part of just culturally, um, life for for girls as opposed to men and men have their own issues like we just need to be tough um but for girls it's needing to be beautiful and it creates all this stuff so for for men it's really hard for us to be authentic and be vulnerable because like oh that's showing weakness we don't want to do that um for for ladies it's you know a different mess of kind of similar issues which is why and this is kind of completely out of left field but it's why I love uh, Brene Brown and her books and her work yeah. is because it really gets in on that authenticity and that vulnerability. So I guess in terms of like how to traverse social media, that's, that's kind of what my recommendation would be. No, I think kind of right. read that Brene Brown type stuff, get an idea of how like, you know, being imperfect is actually a good thing and you know, how to embrace vulnerability and authenticity. Cause then I feel like you can scroll through those types of things and understand like, yeah, I'm not that, but I'm still, me and that's that's cool that's awesome that's great and nor would i necessarily want to be that if for for x you know so many different reasons then you know what i appreciate that that segues right into my last question and i'm interested what are a couple you know of the resources or people that you've been following and learning from within the past year okay um so as far as resources are concerned so there was about a year ago, I used to read tons and tons of nonfiction. So the things like, you know, the Brene Brown, um, there's also Essentialism, a book by Greg McKeown that I really love. Um, so there were those types of books I read voraciously and I really enjoyed them. Uh, but then I actually had a friend mention to me that I should kind of stop reading nonfiction and try to just read fiction. So for about the last year, I've been reading a lot of fiction, which has been more entertaining and more fun. Um, I don't rip through it quite as quickly, but it's been very, very interesting to focus on fiction, but then kind of realize how you can almost learn more in a personal development type way from reading good or, you know, there's a great fiction. You can learn more about personal development doing that than reading personal development books, which I've read all kinds of well-versed in the personal development stuff, but the personal development books are different versions of saying roughly the same stuff. Um, though I do love Brene Brown. Um, like, I don't know, I haven't used Tinder in ages, but back when I had a Tinder profile, part of the bio said, if I were to have a crush on any woman old enough to be my mother, it'd be Brene Brown because authenticity. So I love Brene Brown. Um, her books. I, yeah, I've probably, let people borrow or gifted or told people to read the gifts of imperfection um, more than most books out there. That's, that's one of the, the highest recommended resources that I'll, I'll toss out there um, for just life in general. Um, and then I also really love, this is a fiction book, but there are so many good themes and like encouraging things and whatnot. But the name of the wind is a book by Patrick Rothfuss. It's the first in a series of three. The third book hasn't been published yet. Um, but those first two books are amazing. They're kind of long, they're kind of fantasy, uh, but I really enjoy them. And the sorts of themes that exist in that, even though it's fiction are still very, very applicable. Um, and yeah, like there are some amazing quotes that I like have taken notes on that I have like, at the ready in, in Evernote. It's like, Ooh, good book quotes. And like, I have tons from those books. So those have been really cool. And then I also really enjoy podcasts, go figure. Um, yeah. but what's interesting is over the last couple of years, I've shifted from, business-related podcasts and fitness-related podcasts. I've kind of shifted away from those. So I used to listen to Gary Vee's stuff 
uh, his, I guess, audio experience is what it's called now, but his podcast, I used to listen to it a ton. Now I do a lot less of that and I'm listening to more things kind of like the, the art of charm or, uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast, because it's just, sure. Ooh, this is like, they're talking to interesting people about interesting things that almost have nothing to do with fitness or business, which is what yeah. most of my life is. Um, so it's nice to kind of have a break. So both of those podcasts I do, I do enjoy as well. But yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I think kind of going back to that advice that, or, you know, what Derek Taylor said to me that we're doing better than we think we are and we're, we can do better than we think we can. Um, I think we kind of know the sorts of things we should be doing. So sometimes like the greatest resources is just like our own intuition and trusting our gut and just going for it, which I mean, I need that advice just as that kind of advice just as much as anyone else. But it's uh, yeah. Being reminded of that is always huge. Beautiful. Well spoken. Ben, where can people find out more about you? Um, so I've been putting forth a conscious effort to do better about Instagram. I know we were just kind of bagging on Instagram and being perfect on Instagram, um, but I've been trying to be more active there recently. So Instagram, um, it's like at underscore Ben Trained um, is kind of a handle there or just bentrained.com. So like my name and then the past tense of train. Uh, so bentrained.com is a good spot. Or got it. We'll have it in Instagram. the show notes. Right. Perfect. That's yeah. So, so both we'll of those get places some... probably be easiest. Beautiful. So Ben, so we'll, so ask shots to Ben on Instagram and <laughs> yes, nothing but those be ready actually. So that, that reminds me, I kind of want to do like a, a, a parody post yes. of like those classic Fitzbo posts. Like I want to, I don't know where I would find a sports bra that fits my like thoracic cavity, oh, but like if I could get a sports bra that fits and like some booty shorts and take a really nice photo with like my hairy chest and all just like leaning up against something and trying to look, I don't know, sexy. I, I like, I just think it would be hysterical. Um, so I've wanted to be, I wanted to do that for months, but I just don't have any uh, sports bras or booty shorts that would fit. And I haven't quite been to Lululemon to see what they've got that, that might fit. So. Yeah. Oddly enough, that would probably boost your, your followers quite significantly rather than the, <laughs> what you and I both post that like try and post useful nutrition <laughs> right. advice and we lose followers. And then I post a picture of like my kids or something and I gain like 20 followers. Right. Right. It's when yeah, I'm trying so to be random. helpful that nothing happens with the followers. But if I made fun of the fitness industry and posted a photo in a sports bra and booty shorts, I'd probably blow up. Exactly. No, that's great stuff, buddy. We'll make sure to have all of your info in the show notes. Ben, dude, it's been absolutely enlightening. I really enjoy right, this speaking with you as always. And uh, you know, thank you, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. It's it's uh, it's been a pleasure having you on, and thank you for everything that you're doing for so many people in the world. And and keep up the good work, brother. I will. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know, always a pleasure to talk with you, but also to talk about you know work related things. This is this has been good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me as well. You take care, buddy. We'll talk soon. Yeah, sounds good. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Benjamin Johnson. If you want to find any of the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find those links over in the show notes at bslnutrition.com slash episode 39. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes so that we can help more people make smart nutrition simple. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. Appreciate your taking time out of your busy day to join us and we'll look forward to seeing you next week this episode was brought to you by bsl nutrition and the complete essentials all-in-one training drink 
If you've been looking for a comprehensive workout supplement that can help support great energy both in and around your workouts as well as reduce muscle soreness naturally without all the caffeine and artificial sweeteners, then head over to bslnutritionshop.com and type in podcast at checkout for 15% off your first purchase of either grape and or lemon lime. 